0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Call-Up, presented by Triple Play Fantasy. We have a fantastic show for you guys tonight. We did our first mock draft of the offseason, and it is filled with excitement, fun, twists and turns, and everything that you want to see in a mock draft before we get to all that. First, got to introduce my co-host tonight, Michael Richards and Vinny, a.k.a. Down on the Farm. Fellas, how's it going?
1: It's going good, Mindy. Always glad to be here with you guys. Uh, we put together a great draft here. I reached out to about 12 or so people. You reached out to a couple of people. Almost everyone said yes. It's a wonderful room. I wanted to do this to give our listeners like a, a legitimate look at like how these players are valued by smart people, and I couldn't have been more happy with uh, the group that came together for this.
0: Am I part of that smart people group since I was in the You're draft? in the
1: mix. You're there. Yes.
0: Okay, good, good. Yeah, it was a fantastic room. Also included our guy Vinny. Vinny, what's up, man?
2: Not much, you know, surviving the first year player draft. Phenomena right now, you know, in four or five. You might hear the, the alarm go off when I'm on the clock here, but getting sniped a lot. So we'll see uh we'll see how this year's first year players go.
0: But it was a good draft. Bunch of smart That's people. Right. People want people that are doing a lot of drafts because you're getting a lot of exposure to different players, developing different strategies. So that's that's what we want to hear here, and that's what we want to talk about with our guests today too. We got two of them here on the call. I think first time ever we're doing two in one episode. You guys know I the big intros uh, we'll hold that for the main Triple Play podcast here, but the call version. These guys are awesome. We got first Drew Wheeler. You can find him on Twitter at Drew is okay. He is a staff writer and podcast host for Prospects Live. He's got the biggest beard in the business, and whenever you have him on a pod, you got to go wheels up, because he's going to bring the energy. Drew Wheeler, what's going on, man?
3: Hi friends, and uh, thank you so much for the lovely introduction. It is so nice to be here uh, to talk FYPD with some very uh, brilliant minds, and I hope I don't bring down the collective IQ too much. What I bring in Beard, I often lack in knowledge, but I do bring some energy to go along with it. So uh, thank you again for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Pumped to have you on, man. I wanted, Your episode you came on last time was one of my favorite. I know it was one of the other guys' favorites too, so it was so good. Second time is always just as fun, if not better. The other guy, I mean, when you say prospect, if you look at it in the dictionary, you probably see this guy's name. Of course, you can find him on Twitter at EricCross04. He's a father, lead MLB writer for Fantrax, lead dynasty analyst for FTN Fantasy, co host for the Fantrax Tool Shed. He also writes for the Fantasy Black Book, 2021 FSWA Baseball Writer of the Year, and of course, the guy that. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Had to give him the SpongeBob laugh. Eric Cross in the house. What's up, man? And he's on mute. He's a rookie, fell. I don't know. I don't know.
4: Oh, that's my bad. That's my bad. What's up, gentlemen? I was uh, I was wondering if there would be any SpongeBob in the intro there. So I'm glad there
0: was. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to this. Of course, man. You know, SpongeBob. Every time we do a show together, and Anytime, like I said, I, I know I joke about it, but it's true. When you say prospect, you are on the the founding fathers, the Mount Rushmore of the prospect world. And you were talking pre-show how you're doing a bunch of first-year player drafts. Have you, like, have you gotten tired of it yet, or is it one of those things you can do as many as you as you possibly can, and it will always be the same for you?
4: No, I love FYPD mock season because it's. It's so fun because there's a lot of different strategies that can go into it, right? Like, especially like when you get these years where you have not one but two, you know, established veteran players coming over from uh, Japan to see like where they fall. Those that's always adds a little bit of intrigue. Like, do they go like one? Do they go you know five to seven range? Do they go outside the top ten? So it's a lot of intrigue always in these mock drafts, especially in years like this.
0: Yeah, it's a very exciting crop of players coming in this year. We we did bury the lead. Uh, But it is the first year player draft mock draft, if you will, talking about players that were drafted this past MLB draft and what we think they're going to be doing for their big league clubs. And that's the order we drafted them in. So I'm going to share the draft board with everybody that's watching on YouTube. If you are on the podcast version, do not worry, because we are going to go through a lot of these picks and we're going to listen to people's thoughts on did they get sniped. Did they like their picks? Were they surprised on some picks? There's so many different variables that come into play here when we look at the draft board. But we got to start right up at the top. And maybe this is easy and maybe it's not. Uh, The Welsh picking Drew Jones, the 1.01. I feel like you look a lot of different places. I see Drew Jones consensus 1.01. Do any of you guys disagree that he should be the first player selected?
4: Nope, not at all. Wow. Wow. Nope. I think Jones offers the best blend of ceiling and kind of floor here. Like you could argue green has higher upside and he probably does, but a lot of more issues with green. I mean, I love green. Obviously I took him right there at pick two, as everyone can see, but yeah, Jones, I think he's going to be an absolute stud. Like this is you know number one overall pick upside here. If the power kind of trends up here in the next year or two.
0: Well, Eric, let me stay with you then, because again, th- if you look at a bunch of different places, you will see different rankings. One of the ones I did see across different sites was Elijah green is not necessarily the consensus too. I did see some that had Jackson holiday ahead of him. Why do you have Elijah green? You took him at two instead of Jackson holiday. You just, you, again, it's upside. You think more for Elijah green?
4: Yeah. You know, I've seen, I was, I've never seen green live, uh, but all the evaluators that have have basically said some version of a similar sentiment that he has some of the loudest tools like they've ever seen. Like not even in the last few years is ever you see 70 grade hit, uh, no, it should be 70 grade power, 70 grade speed, you know, the arm from, from a corner outfield spot as well. And yeah, there are some, you know, questions on how much average can he hit for? How much contact can he make? Can he keep the swing and miss in check? But you know, Nothing against Holiday. Like, I think Holiday is a very good player. I believe in what Baltimore's doing there. So I think that's a great landing spot for him. But I just can't pass up that upside with Green, where he also could be number one overall prospect if the hit tool comes along. And if everything clicks, like, this is an early round, you know, potential 30 30 player. I know that's lofty, but if everything clicks, like, that's the talent you're looking at with Elijah Green. All right.
1: Yeah, so, let me throw in real quick, too. Uh, I was looking into the scouting grades for these different players, and Elijah Green's scouting grades are very similar to Ellie De La Cruz. So if you like that type of player, that big power speed, even if he has like a 30% strikeout rate, I still think he's going to be productive. So he's he's really high upside.
0: And Ellie De La Cruz was arguably the biggest riser from last season, though, in terms of just what from the beginning of the season where people thought of him to the end it seemed like he became untouchable among the prospects world. Like uh, the, the Reds wouldn't talk about him in any trades and uh, his upside, his potential seems limitless at this point. So if, if we're putting Elijah green in that type of class, so that's, I can see why you took him at two, Eric, but these next three picks here, because Mike, you end up having the sixth pick. It went Kim Collier, Tamar Johnson, and then Cody Senga at six. Now I got to ask you, these three, these next three players, if you had a choice between those three, would you have gone the exact same order, or do you think you got a steal here getting Senga at six?
1: Well, I was expecting Jones, Green, Holiday, and Tamar Johnson to be gone, and probably Senga at five. So that was what I was going, thinking going into it. The Collier pick kind of surprised me. I, I do think I would have taken Tamar Johnson if he had fallen to me. But outside of that, I'd looked at the rest of these players you know, I like a lot of these guys, but it's hard for me to differentiate which one I want the most. I mean, I was leaning towards Spencer Jones and Jet Williams, which I think would have been reaches at six. So I was kind of happy with Senga. And that's obviously just a proximity play. There's no other pitcher in this draft that's going to be immediately added to the major leagues. And I think he's a decent player. Like, I think he's a mid-rotation arm that could win double-digit games for the Mets this year. So if you can
0: get that in the first-year player draft, I think you you got to do that in most most of the time. I can't argue with that. I do want to, before we continue, just talk about the players that were drafting in this draft here. We had the Welsh, of course, Eric Cross, myself, Ross Jensen, Jesse Roach, Michael Richards, Drew Wheeler, Drew Sperling, Bob Osgood, uh, we got Real J.R. Anderson, of course, Mr. James Anderson in the house here, uh, Lucas Berry, Michael Halpern, Chris Clegg, and Mags. This was a loaded, loaded group of drafters, so you're getting... The best of the best in this draft. So, I know the Welsh does a really good job because he has a lot of these same people make his ADPs for uh, prospects. So, I really am interested to see where these guys go in these drafts. And Drew, you went right next after Michael, and you took Zach Neto. I looked at a couple different rankings, and it seems like you took him earlier than a couple other places I looked. You, your belief in him must be sky high, and obviously, great grades. From him, but is he one? Is he a Drew guy? Is he like Zach Neto, Drew hand in hand here? You know, I hate to I hate to
3: curse Zach Neto with being known as a Drew guy, but I'd say he probably is. Um, Really, any of those Rocket City Trash Pandas are guys that I just kind of gravitate towards. But Neto is a cat that you know of all the guys that debuted in the pros last year, I think that his performance is what has boosted him up in my mind. And in the mind of others, I mean, 874 OPS, over 30 AA games, that's pretty stellar. I think that this is a guy that could be in the upper teens, maybe hit like 2015 home runs, stolen bases there. And, I mean, good average. I'm thinking over 260, 270 maybe a little high reaching, but I think he's going to stay in the middle infield. And he could reach the majors relatively soon. Another thing kind of to your point there is that I knew – that if it was to get to Michael Halpern, he would see Zach Nato as an absolute steal. Halpern Mm -hmm. is probably the only other fellow that I know that's as high on Nato as I am. And I know that this is kind of a bizarre thing to say because Nato is considered, you know, uh, with a lot of prominence in this class. But, um, you know, for instance, I knew Eric wasn't going to jump Nato over, you know, Elijah Green or Holiday. I knew Mm -hmm. that wasn't going to happen. And I had the... I had that kind of feeling, and NATO actually was my second pick. I expected that Kodai Senga would fall to me, uh, just you know. Of course, it didn't, and I'm not <laughs> going to point fingers or share blame anywhere, Mike. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything, anything mean to anybody, Mike or Drew. But yeah, uh, I love NATO, love that pick, and I said on Twitter, if you didn't see it, that if he ends up kind of following the same career trajectory as Dansby Swanson, I would be neither surprised nor disappointed.
0: Uh, All right. I I like it. Zach Neto uh, probably has a a quick path or quicker path with the Angels because I I think they need the offense. And uh, from what you're saying, it sounds like I got to be all in on him. So Zach Neto going to Drew there. To finish out the first round, Masataka, Yoshida, Spencer Jones, Jet Williams, Brooks Lee, Chase Delauder, Gavin Cross, Justin Crawford, and then our own Vinny, the last pick of the first round here, taking Dalton Rushings here from the Dodgers. Vinny, talk to me about how that second half of the first round fell to you there. Did it go as you expected? Did you get sniped on somebody? Talk to me. Your thought process here is the last pick here.
2: No, pretty much it fell right how I wanted it to. Justin Crawford going ahead of me kind of threw me off a little bit, but I wanted to leave the turn there with Dalton Rushing and Cole Young. Um, Dalton Rushing is starting to become a very hot first-year player draft name. Uh, he had a very good small sample size coming uh, out of the draft last year. Played a little bit in the complex and then got thrown straight into low, low A. Um, but yeah, he's looking like he's gonna have probably uh, plus power, plus plus hit tool. He had over a thirteen hundred OPS in his short stint in high A. Had twenty one strikeouts to twenty one walks. Like it looks like the rich get richer with the Dodgers. And I'm I like the path he's on. We'll see him probably next year debut in high A, and he's looking to be a stud. I would say he's borderline right now on top 100
0: prospect pedigree. Do you you think you got a steal with him at 15?
2: Not thinking. Looking at drafts now, I think yes, because if we flash back a little bit, his perception has changed, and I think he's just going to keep on getting higher. Like seeing him going over Kevin Parada might look a little weird but if we're talking about production so far and future tools i think he has warranted that now
0: okay fair enough i I like it i I mean kind of putting your stamp on a guy here with like you said if people are looking at kevin parada as why are you taking rushing over him that, that shows your belief in dalton rushing and maybe that will just be something that's becomes more of a trend going forward here we got into round two and like you said, you took Cole Young, Vinny, to start out the round here. Max takes Kevin Parada. And then Clegg goes Drew Gilbert. Then Michael Halpern goes Jace Young from Detroit. Uh, as we look at this beginning of the second round here, these first four or five picks, and then we, we see Lucas Berry takes Jacob Barry. Any surprises here, Eric, in terms of did this kind of the beginning of the second round play it as you expected, or were there any surprises here? Now,
4: there weren't really too many surprises. Like, for me, the top 13 to 14 or so, are, are, I think, are pretty set in stone for me. Obviously, you can, you know, differentiate the the order within there. But I think after, like, Drew Gilbert uh, is kind of like the bottom of that grouping for me. And then after that, it's like, all right, you can go many different ways. I, I'm surprised Kevin Parada uh, and Drew Gilbert did fall to 17 and 18, though. I think they are both, like, I have them 12 and 13 in my personal rankings. Love Gilbert and... Houston's org, they have a way of maximizing prospects and they have a a great track record there. Prada, I think, is a great bat as well. Uh, This is a really fun range, though, because you get a lot of different types of players here. Like you get the Jacob Barry, like, what can, you know, how good can the bat be? Can it survive as like a, you know, corner infield type of guy? Beavers has like the big power speed blend, but hit tool question marks, you know, Lesko and Porter, all the, you know, hype in the world, all the talent in the world, and see if you know as prep arms if they can develop nicely. And Cooper Jerpy is, I think, very underrated, even by myself. Uh, I I've, I've moved him up my rankings. I think he could maybe have a chance at being the best pitcher from this draft class. Uh, I think that title could go to many different people, but yeah, this was a really fun range, and I was hoping some of these guys would fall. I was hoping that guy like maybe Lesko or Porter, or even you know, Fallon Celestin, who is the only real you know, a uh, international guy I would probably consider uh, in this top 30, obviously outside of the other two we already discussed, but uh, no such luck, but I like Brock Jones too. I think he's a very underrated uh, power speed guy as well.
0: Drew, were you jumping for joy when Cooper Jerpy fell in your lap here at pick 24, or was that, were you looking to go another direction and you got sniped?
3: No, I I, I think that Jerpy was best case scenario for me here. I will, I mean, best case scenario would have been, Vinny just decided not to take rushing and I'd have gotten rushing, <laughs> but uh, you know that, or or like Yoshida would have fallen or Michael would have decided I don't want Senga and I'll just give him to drew. That would have been a best case scenario, but <laughs> in terms of, you know, legitimately able to occur things. Yeah. Jerpy is about the best case scenario. This guy's got so much funk and so many good intangible things from the left-hand side. And I think with a, an organization like the Cardinals that has developed pitching talent in the past, Uh, I'd like to see what they can do with this guy because, man, he looks really, really special. And uh, I love the accolades that Eric heaped on to him. I saw Eric tweeted about Jerpy not long ago, and I loved seeing it then as well. Uh, The only other guy that I was kind of eager to see uh, if I could make the decision was Brock Porter because I actually had just finished writing up Porter for Prospects Live. And, man, that kid is just – he's got so many premium things you look for in a prep arm – uh, really, really exciting uh, talent. So, yes. But Jerpy is the guy. Was happy to get him. Pleased as punch.
0: <laughs> Pleased as punch. You said some other funny catchphrases when you were on last time. He, but I can't he's remember. full of
4: them. That, that's it, like his thing.
0: Yeah. If I you need, say so. <laughs> you, need to, you need to write a book of them and just share it with the world. We need more of that in our life. Druisms. <laughs> Thank you. Mike, you were next, and you took Felton, Celestin, and – I'm interested in your pick and then how the rest of the second round played out with Eric Brown, Kumar Rocker, Jordan Beck, Brock Jones, and Xavier Isaac. Talk to me about the kind of the back half here of this second round. Did you get your guy, and do you like how the rest of the players kind of fell into place here to finish the second round?
1: Okay, well, there's a kind of a thought process going on these days that you should fade uh, the J-15 players, and you know they haven't worked out recently. So they are coming at a cheaper price than usual. So I didn't really have any intention of targeting them specifically early. But then when I got to this range in the draft, you know, I basically, my queue got wiped out right before my pick. You know, I would have considered a lot of those players that went right before me. And so I looked at the situation. I looked at the other college and high school players going after me. And there was a group of pitchers in there that I thought I could live with. Like, uh, you know, there's Kumar Rocker and uh, Lucas Sims and uh Cade Horton, and I just felt, and Brandon Barrera. Like, I felt I wouldn't necessarily get my top pitcher there, but the main reason here, this is a draft strategy move for me. I know that the Welsh is a huge international guy. Mm-hmm. I have, I'm have i very confident that he would have taken him on that 2-3 turn, and I know Eric also likes to go for upside two, so I thought there was a chance he could go. I wasn't willing to let him go through four picks just to take some pitcher, and so it kind of worked out how I planned it to. I did end up getting Sims. I would have preferred those other pitchers, but uh, this guy is getting a lot of hype, you know, it, it could be hype, as I said, it could not work out that way. But, you know, there's people saying that this is one of the top shortstop uh, international guys in, in you know 10 years up in the mix with Marco Luciano and people like that. So the upside here is extraordinary. And I just felt like it was a good time, especially because I didn't love the group of college and high school players in that range.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if you're chasing upside, it sounds like he's one of the the most tantalizing guys there, and that can be a draft strategy if you think, especially with these type of players, you want to chase the upside, you think maybe that they'll outperform where they're going uh, just because of that kind of potential. Uh, I I can see why you'd want to potentially go that round draft that way. Uh, But then we get into round three, and the well starts it up with Ethan Salas. And then cross, you go, Brandon. I, I messed up his name last time we talked about him on the call. Barreria, Barrera. Barrera. I think it's just, I think it's Barrera. That eye just throws me off every it, time. It does kind of, yeah. And uh, so talk to me first about Brandon Barrera. And then just looking at the rest of round three, give me, you think, the best value pick in this round.
4: Yeah. So with Brandon Barrera, I think seeing what happened this past year, with Ricky Tiedemann gives me a lot of confidence in a guy like Barrera, who, you know, just looking back at some, you know, reports and analysis on Tiedemann last year, and then the reports on Barrera this year, people would seem to be higher, a little bit higher on Barrera. Obviously I'm not saying he's to have a Ricky Tiedemann type breakout and become a top five pitching prospect in the game or anything like that. But there is, you know, good athleticism here, good three pitch mix, all of the potential to be above average or better offerings Obviously he's got a pretty advanced pitchability and feel for his age as well. You know, he's a lefty a lot to love there uh, with, with Barrera. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. And of course he was a Vanderbilt commit as well. So obviously the, you know, premier tippity top of the college baseball world there. So you always going to love when you see those Vanderbilt commits because, you know, Vanderbilt gets, the, gets the best guys always um, in terms of the rest of the third round. there's actually several pretty solid values here. Uh, that I liked Cade Horton and Landon Sims are two guys that could really make, you know, us look silly for passing on them and not drafting them sooner. You know, Horton obviously was, came a little, came on a little bit later. Uh, it doesn't have as big of a track record and, and Sims had the injury, but both have, you know, SP two upside there. I think Jacob Melton was a very good pick, uh, by you drew again, Houston, you know, Melton had a really good career out there in the Pacific Northwest so and I, I like him a lot there. And then Roman Anthony, you know, I, that's one of my favorite picks that Boss has made in the last few years. Power upside, projection, a little bit of speed as well. You know, if the hit till comes along, he could be a big, big riser in ranking. So it kind of those ones are the ones I really looked at. And Miz, 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 Mizzy Arowski, that's, that's my tongue twister there, Mendy. That, <laughs> that There's just too many I's and O's in there. It's yep. just, um, But he's one, obviously – Spin rates and all the metrics and the data on him is off the charts. Milwaukee, great tracker, could obviously, with developing pitching, you know, over the last half decade or so. So if they can really kind of mold him and, you know, get him maximized, you know, potential wise, I think that's going to be another really fun arm in that org.
0: So I want to create some ripples for a second because before the show, before Eric and Drew even hopped in the room to do the show, I hopped in the room and I heard Vinny venting about Vanderbilt pitchers and that they don't develop outside David Price and I think there might have been one more. I forgot the other. I know you were talking about other players for Vanderbilt. So Vinny, you must be really down on Brandon Barrera because it seems like you're you're not in on any Vanderbilt pitchers whatsoever.
2: Well, I'd be. I'm on. i oh, Let me talk. Um, I'm in on him because he didn't go to Vanderbilt yet. They signed him away from him, so he'll okay. actually get development. <laughs> that is true. So if he would have went to Vanderbilt, yeah, I probably wouldn't be taking him. Once
0: once he enters the school grounds, yeah. then that's when he's tainted. Okay.
2: Once he sets foot on campus, it's over.
0: <laughs> okay. Off
2: my off my board.
0: That, that, that that's fair though. You look at how
4: you know both. Even look at the last two big examples of that being Jack lighter and Kumar Rocker. Don't Eric. I'll, don't. Oh, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. It's still too be determined for both. I'm not saying that they're not going to make it or anything like that, but to see like you know whether to the two biggest names in college baseball, especially on the pitching side of things. And then lighter has been walking everybody since his, his debut and rocker. We've seen, you know, some ups and downs with him command wise. What's so, yeah, that's, that's a fair concern to have.
2: Yeah. If we want to go worst case scenario, we can all flash back to Carson Fulmer. Yeah. That's another big name that fizzled very
0: quickly. Drew's hot and bothered. I can tell.
3: I'm I'm getting a little hot under the three quarters up, but I want to say it's just because it's a fine wool. Uh, so I, that's why I'm I'm getting hot. I don't know what all you people have against the great state of Tennessee and our fine uh, academic institutions, our baseball institutions. That's okay though. I'll just let uh, I'll let success on the field, speak for itself. I'll let David Price and Sonny Gray and the Kumar Rocker and Jack lighters to come and the uh, Andrew DeKanich, and I could go on for days, but we won't because I don't want to keep you guys all night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Vanderbilt pitching, just creating hot topics here. I love it. Uh, but okay, so we go from Eric's pick, Brandon Barrera. I took Owen Murphy here, which Mike actually complimented me for, so I will take that. Then we go Max Wagner, Kate Orton, Landon Sims here to you, Mike. Do you like the value you got with Landon Sims? And talk to me about your thought process behind the pick here.
1: Yeah, I mentioned it with the previous pick. You know, I wanted that group of pitchers. He was probably my least of the four, but uh, I really do like him. He's got two possibly double-plus pitches. There is some uh, injury risk and reliever possibilities, but as I mentioned on the podcast previously, Arizona's got a a new pitching development going on there from the Astros. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are people who like this guy. So I just
0: think it was a good value for a college arm at that stage. All right. Good college arm there in Landon Sims. Then, Drew, you go Ivan Melendez to the same team, the Arizona Diamondbacks here, back to back. And talk to me about Ivan Melendez for those that don't know who he is. uh, What should his, his upside be? Do you expect him to to be a value where you got him in the third round, middle range here? Uh,
3: just real quickly before I touch on Melendez, loved the pick of Landon Sims. Wanted to give mm-hmm. Michael some credit on air for that. I know he and I spoke uh, in DMs actually about that pick, uh, and just about him in relation to another real quality pitcher, Jacob Mizorowski, who you guys have hit all the high notes on, spin rate monster, in a wonderful development uh, situation for him. Could be tremendous. I love Sims because we have a track record, and even if he does end up a reliever like Michael alluded to, we've seen him succeed for three-plus seasons at the highest level of college baseball in that role. He has two-plus pitches in that role and can up the gas to, I want to say, 99-100 in that role. So I I love the Sims pick. Sims was in contention if he'd have fallen to me, but I also love Ivan Melendez. So if for whatever reason, you're unaware of him. This guy is called the Hispanic Titanic. It is an 80 grade nickname and the raw power is either an exact match or it's really close. Uh, the guy is a thumper. He's a corner thumper, uh, which is possibly my second favorite archetype of player in baseball behind catcher. Uh, obviously there's a lot of swing and miss with this profile though. He chased a lot. He had 120 a ball plate appearances last season. Makes sense. But he chased quite a bit. Uh, This is a guy, though, that was the best bat in the NCAA altogether for Texas last year. An absolute stud. Look at his numbers, guys, and just drool with me. Um, He has the tools to anchor a major league lineup in the future. I mean, I'm talking three or four hitter for the Diamondbacks in uh, 2026.
0: Eric? The Drew Jones and
3: Jordan Lawler Diamondbacks. What, what, What do we think, guys? I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd bet Melendez after those dudes for sure.
4: Yeah, I, I see him as like a, a four or five type. I, that power stretching the lineup and, you know, get. I can see Lawler hitting three. I can see Jones yeah. hitting, you know, well, and you got Carroll. There's so many good. I was uh, going to cool. say, you lead I off, off Carroll, I love this system. Yeah, Carroll, like,
2: Lawler, Jones, and then Melendez. Let's go. I want to watch that team now.
0: Too late to be a D backs fan. Uh,
2: Sprinkle uh, in some Blaze Alexander at second base, too. Like, <sighs> right. Looks exactly. a lineup. Hey, I, but, but yeah, I mean, I think that the
3: only hurdle Melendez has got to keep is just the strikeouts. If he keeps the strikeouts in check, I don't see how he's not at bare minimum a fine, you know, uh, 20 home runs and a 240 average guy, which is, I mean, draftable right now in today's landscape. And that's at bottom. So at his top potential, he's one of the best hitters, you know, and a great power hitter. So I'm excited, really excited to get him where I got him. Uh, like I said, Mizorowski and Sims were both good. I love Max Wagner, too. That's a really uh, high upside pick that came a little before.
0: A, a nice run of players here. Caden Wallace going to Bob Osgood right after. Or Drake, Jacob Melton, then Caden Wallace. Talked about Jacob Mizorowski, Sterling Thompson, Ryan Clifford. Uh, Cross mentioned Roman Anthony going to Clegg here of his from his Boston Red Sox. Peyton Graham. And then, Vinny, you rounded out of the third round, taking J.R. Ritchie who I believe gets the most comments on YouTube in terms of people talking about him, at least on every single one of our videos, I hear his name get brought up. Talk to me about J.R. Ritchie, what you think his upside could be, and uh, just what do you believe you probably got a good value with him here at the end of the third round, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, just to give you a little run through my thought process here, my cue going into where Drew was drafting Went Caden Wallace, Mesorowski, Thompson, then J.R. Richie. Mm. Then it was a run of hey, let's clear out my queue. Roman <laughs> Anthony, it came down to him and J.R. Richie, but I took Richie. But uh out of seeing I saw both of uh the Braves' pitchers, draft picks this year in person. I've seen Owen Murphy. I saw JR Richie a few years ago at the Under Armour game, but J.R. Richie is I think personally, if we're talking about uh his off speed, his slider and the RPMs are just off the charts. He kind of gives me like flashes of potentially the Spencer Strider slider, mm. which that makes another appearance. Needs to go on a t-shirt. But no, his fastball sits anywhere from 93 to 96. He's touched 98, 99. Three pitches were the change Potentially could be a solid fourth offering, but just pairing him with the Braves, like pitching, manufacturing is just unreal. Like he could potentially end up jumping Owen Murphy for best pick out of this year's draft. I think there's a shot that he could be their best pitching prospect in the organization. Just I am very high on him. I like what I've seen. He has a pedigree, and he's gonna he's gonna change. He's going to change uh, positional wise first year player draft. I think when we look back a year from now,
0: let me ask you this is a, a spur of the moment question. This time next year, if you were running it back with these exact same players, where do you think JR Richie would go?
2: Ooh, I would say, if I were to say Richie, I would say he'd go similar. He would be in similar,
0: uh, like the second round.
2: Yeah, he'd be in similar contention with like Lesko and Porter if he really does do what I think he does this year.
0: All right. Well, that's a, that's the claim made. We will see how that plays out this season. You also took Tucker Toman of the Toronto blue Jays to start out the fourth round here. Uh, I believe you took Richie in the, uh, third, and then you took Cole young and then you took drew. Okay. So you got a pretty good team here. You're building, Talk to me about Tucker Toman of the Toronto Blue Jays here to start off the fourth round.
2: Toman was really interesting. He was one of those prep bats that had a lot of helium going into the draft, but kind of, uh, I don't know what there was something that scared teams away. He fell to the the Blue Jays. Uh, the bat, it's big power at, at the moment, but there's going he needs to develop a little bit because the hit tool. It's like a 50/50 shot. Right now he could be hit tool, but he definitely has the body and the projection in the body to become a big power guy. He's a corner infielder. He's I don't think he he stays at shortstop. He's going to outgrow the position. He has a very good arm. There's a lot to like. I'm very bullish. Like he was not my pick for this like coming down to picking. It was like I took him over uh, Noah Schultz because Tyler Lock, um, not Tyler Locklear, Uh Peyton Graham got snagged, so just I. It was more like an upside pick, kind of like a. I probably will regret that pick, but.
0: Mm. You want to talk about like regrets?
2: Overwhelmed during the <laughs> draft.
0: You must have been pretty sure you were going to get Peyton Graham right. That must have shaken you up a little bit.
2: Yeah. And then I waited too long. My queue got wiped, so I was scrolling through names. And I was like, all right, I'll take Tucker Toman. Kind of a value, kind of
0: not. The worst, the worst. Did uh Now, going back to you here, Drew, did you feel any kind of similar emotions here as Vinny when you saw the board go Blake Tidwell, Tyler Locklear, Noah Schultz, Joenry Vargas, Connor Prielp, Justin Campbell, Brandon uh, Maya. I probably messed up a couple names there. When you saw these names go down, and it got to your pick, were you panicking, or did you feel confident taking Jud Fabian here?
3: If it makes, uh, I'll just say it pretty directly. Fabian was the guy that was on my list after Misiorowski, and so I would have gotten rounds of value at that point on Jud Fabian. Uh, really, really thrilled. Uh, this is a kid who I think has been kind of stigmatized unfairly for. Just about two or three seasons, uh, just based on some whiff rates and strikeout rates from his 19 year old freshman season at Florida. I mean, the guy has improved strikeout rates and whiff rates two years running. He's kind of a notable toolbox. The guy's got at least plus raw power, above average speed, uh, and he looked impressive over some A ball plate appearances, uh, hit 386, 481, 841 uh, slug with three home runs. I think if he debuts in high A, and then maybe touches double-A in 2023. I think he could be a 20-homer, push double-digit steals in the majors. This is a kid I'm tickled to get, and tickled to get in the fourth round. I think that he's the nah. extremely high upside.
4: <laughs> tickled. He's tickled.
3: Yeah. I, do you hear me chuckling? I'm literally <laughs> I'm tickled.
4: <laughs> he's, t- he's tickled himself right now.
3: Yeah. I uh, Eric, I did have a question off of, uh, off of Judd Fabian before you guys touch on that. Do you think there was any other bigger lock in this draft than Chris ending up with Tyler Locklear? Nope, <laughs> I didn't either.
0: Is that a, is that a Chris Clegg guy? Oh, yeah,
3: that's... maybe the biggest.
4: <laughs> so this was a very Chris Clegg draft. Like if you listen to any of our stuff, we've had multiple FYPD episodes uh, this offseason. We did some of the reviews after the draft, and then we would our our mock draft that we did with Jesse Roach and Chris Welsh, uh, both of which are in this and. Yeah, he's a uh, Locklear big, is a big Clegg guy. Roman Anthony is a big Clegg guy. Drew Gilbert, big Clegg guy. So, yeah, it was a very Clegg draft. But, yeah, I, I, I don't fault them at all. Those are all very good players. So,
3: oh, yeah, great, yeah. great, great picks. I, uh, you know, Locklear was a guy that was maybe a pick or two down below Fabian on my queue at that point. That's and fair. I knew, I mean, I knew that he wouldn't make it to me just because Chris was coming around the bend. <laughs> and I was like, you know, there's no chance, but. What if, but still there was no chance. Anyway, I had to throw that out there as just a what's up to Chris, but no love Fabian. I really think that that's kind of the big thing is he's been stigmatized unfairly about just swinging, and and miss issues when he's shown that he's, I mean, he may never be a 300 hitter, but who is nowadays? It's so Mm -hmm. rare. And he's trying, he's improving. And why are we punishing him? I don't know.
0: I shouldn't be punishing him. Uh, there's a theme here. I see a lot of Baltimore Orioles and I see a lot of Arizona diamondbacks on this list.
4: Coincidence. Great drafts.
0: Yeah. I don't, I think not that that those two farm systems, is there a better farm system than those two right now? I might be forgetting one, but I feel like those are the two names I see more when we talk about players and maybe, maybe like Atlanta, uh, another one. um, well, in, in terms of in terms of
4: this this particular draft, oh, no, there was probably probably one of those two teams. But in general, yeah. Cincinnati for fantasy, Cincinnati's really fun. Yeah, they got a lot of fun Not names, that have a lot of breakout appeal there too. So that, that's one of my favorite orgs in right now. And then obviously Baltimore is great, Arizona is great, the Yankees are sneaky good too. I hate Ooh, to admit it, but they are. Love it. Red Sox are you know pretty good as well. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of fun orgs right now.
0: That's what we call them, orgs.
4: Yeah, I, that's why I call them, org systems. I use a different terminology every time.
0: I like orgs. Was that, yeah. was that in Lord of the Rings uh, when yeah. they were called orgs?
3: Yeah, the orgs come storming through the battlefield with, like, big kind of brutish axes. And then on the other side is, like, Eric with a sword, and he fights them. So. I think we
4: got Man, to
0: make, like, a meme of that.
4: Mandy no one's got time to say organizations. That's just way too many letters. Too
0: many, many know, syllables.
4: D- do, do you like the kids do these days and shorten everything? So, yeah, orgs. Can you just make <laughs> it, like, cuter <laughs> and
0: say, like, orgies or something?
4: Uh, that that's too close if you look at how that's yeah. spelled oh yeah look at yeah, how that's yeah. spelled mendy <laughs> <cool. laughs>
2: you're right way too close to might get way a couple confused people. people i, mean, I didn't yeah. even think
0: about that oh, good. Way I too I close to something it, else that's completely different <laughs> i don't know how you translate and we
3: and we were worried that we were going to leave all the good material on the cutting room floor guys <laughs> that's <laughs> <Yeah>. right <laughs> this no is all such
0: Uh, I don't know how you transition from that, but we'll try. Mike, (laughs) talk to me about Jackson Ferris, who was the next pick here for you pitcher for Chicago Cubs.
1: Yeah. It's tough to follow that up right there, but uh, you know, I was, I was looking at this draft board, you know, I took the international guy in the second round, you know, I'd taken two pitchers already. So I was kind of hoping that Fabian would fall to me there. So Drew definitely sniped me. (laughs) I thought that was a good pick. I I don't think he should be going at 54 in these, uh, but you know, I was I was probably willing to take that other international, the Mayaya guy. I'm probably butchering that name, but I, I still, I'd already gone so young. But I basically got to that point. I looked at the available players. I, again, wasn't in love with the college hitters at that stage. So I came down to Jackson Ferris and Robbie Snelling. Those were the two best prep arms on my board. I decided to go with Ferris. I think he's got a better chance to be a starter. I think he's got a deeper arsenal. And I actually think he's being underrated in these things. I mean, I don't necessarily target prep arms, but he's a pretty high guy. Like, you know, on MLB, he's probably in their top 20. So this just seemed like a good value and someone with, you know, who could potentially have three plus pitches if it all comes together with good command. So, uh, and he's a six foot four lefty. I I just think there's players like that when they work out are are really coveted.
0: All right. Jackson Ferris at the Chicago Cubs. We finished out the first round here with Sal Stewart, Robert Snelling, Henry Bolt, Daniel Susak, and Kate Doughty. Going back to you, Eric, Daniel Suzak here with your second to last pick. Do you like the value? Do you like the player? Did you panic because you got sniped? Talk to me.
4: No, I like the player. I think it's a really good value on a Daniel Suzak. Like there was like a cluster in my queue of uh, Fabian, Sal Stewart, Bolt, and Suzak. So you know, Mendy, Jesse, and Drew made my decision easier by taking the other three of them. So I was fine. I was fine with any, any of the four of those guys. The, the one thing with Suzac, I, I don't love the landing spot because mm-hmm. Oakland's a dumpster fire first off. Second off, the park sucks. Third off, their player development sucks. So <laughs> I'm not doing a good job selling Daniel Suzak here, but in general, I'm hoping he can kind of overcome all of that Because this this is a legit bat. He had two really good years at the University of Arizona. I think he's a good, in general, would be a good uh, guy to stick behind the plate. But they also have Shailen Galeers there, uh, who's probably the long-term starter. But that's, you know, a couple years out, so I don't need to worry about that quite yet. But this is a legit bat. I think he's, you know, could be close to like a Soderstrom. Bit better pure hitter, maybe a little less power. But overall, this is a guy that could be, you know, a, you know, Top seventy-five-ish prospect uh, if he hits the ground running uh, next year because I think there's a good chance of a high, pretty high average, solid amount of power. Not, not a big walk rate guy, but it hits you know makes enough contact to maybe be like a two seventy-five type of hitter with twenty to twenty-five home runs. So hopefully he can overcome all of the uh, the negativity I just said about the Oakland system. But I like the bat in general, so I thought that was a pretty good value at the spot.
0: Kind of with both back and forth. It sounds like you're talking him up, talking him down. But overall, I mean, at the end of the fourth round, sounds like a pretty good value there for Daniel Suzak.
4: Yep, absolutely.
0: But then we get into round five here. Last round, we did the first basically 75 players here for this mock draft. Well started out with Mikey Romero of your Boston Red Sox, Eric. And then you go Reggie Crawford, your last pick of the San Francisco Giants. Talk to me about Reggie Crawford, your last pick here, and just your thoughts overall on how you thought your draft went. So at the end of any
4: FYPD, regardless if it's, you know, five rounds, ten rounds, whatever, I like to end with a little bit of upside. So Reggie Crawford's fun. He is just really fun. Uh, went 30th overall to the Giants here. Two-way player. I'm not sure how long that, that lasts, but at the same time, he does have legit power. Uh, he played a little first base at the University of Connecticut. Legit power hitter. You know, Drew walks at a, a pretty good clip as well not sure how long they let that go on probably his future is on the mound if you had to pick one it's probably going to be on the mound big fastball slider combination he's a big dude 64 235 240 something in that range uh, coming off the injury so he hasn't pitched yet professionally but and you know, hopefully we see him back uh, at some point hopefully by op- opening day if not you'll see him at some point early on in the minor league season so a lot of upside there you know i like San Fran's. you know or, you know obviously they've done a lot of good things with, with pitchers specifically uh, over the last handful of years, both at the minor league and major league level, so just just a fun guy. Like I, that's all what I always say. Like end of your draft, like go for some upside plays,
0: and I think Crawford definitely fits that mold. And talked about how well San Francisco develops pitching. That's why I took Carson Wisenhut with the very next pick, the pitcher for the San Francisco Giants and that organization. We actually talked about him on the call up the week prior, so he was fresh in my mind. Snagged him with that next pick there, and then it goes. Clark Elliott to Ross Jensen, Manuel Bonilla to Jesse Roach. And then Mike, your pick, you take shortstop Sebastian Walcott. How do you feel that your draft went here as you made your last pick? So, yeah, as I kind of said in
1: the beginning, my draft didn't go exactly as I planned out, but I don't really have a plan on specific players. It's just a really good room and there's a lot of good managers. So I ended up getting sniped on a lot of picks, but I ended up with three pitchers and two international bats, which, You know, I like all these players, but as I said, it's not necessarily the ideal game plan because, you know, those are the riskiest things. I wasn't able to land any of the college bats basically based on where I was drafting. So as far as Walcott goes, I just ended up looking deep into the international players once I was on the split. like Eric said, I want to go upside with my last pick in pretty much every draft I do. And, you know, it's tough to gauge how these players are going to turn out. But I saw that he had a plus hit tool. And, you know, average power, average speed, you know, in, in a plus arm above average in the field above average overall, you know, these are the only scouting grades I could really come across, but he's, you know, he's from the Bahamas and, you know, some scouts actually think he could get up in the range with jazz Chisholm as the best international prospect to come from there. So that alone is, you know, the kind of hype I'm looking for. He's got good athleticism for his size. This is a big guy too, maybe six, four 180 pounds. I think he might end up at third base or in the outfield long term, but there's a lot to like here. I, I think his hit tool is good. I think he's got power. And at this stage in the draft, I just thought he was a, a good, like, high upside gamble to take.
0: And upside, taking high upside picks in the last round is definitely, I would say, the way you should try to target your draft because uh, that's what the biggest payoff at that point. If they hit, then you can get really good value out of these players. Drew, you go next. You take outfielder Ryan Cermak of the Tampa Bay Rays. And I believe they are one of the teams that only have a – I think that you had two players go, Brock Jones and uh, Xavier Isaac in the second round. Other than that, there were no other players from the Tampa Bay Rays here. Talk to me about Ryan Cermak and then your closing thoughts on your draft.
3: Sure. Uh, well, Cermak I think is definitely a Drew guy. to kind of put a bow on <laughs> that kind of thread here. Uh, he's a player that I found doing some research before the draft last season and really put my stamp on early because I like everything I see with this guy. He was for years at his college just kind of a, a defensive whiz, one defensive, you know, outfielders, glove, gold glove type things for college year after year after year. And then he saw a shift where he just suddenly became a stud at the plate. I think that he's shown to be ultra-athletic. He's going to stay on the field because of the defense, but now he's a legitimate toolbox along with it. The guy's got tools you know, for days. 20 home run potential, double-digit steal potential. Uh, again, the story is based on the hit tool, and I think that if there's any org that could work a prospect's best attributes forward, it's going to be the Rays. And so for all the reasons that I like Fabian as late as I got him, Surmac mm-hmm. here is even better because it's the same player profile essentially, but with less known. So you're going to be able to get him later and B, uh, I'm putting my flag in a guy and I love this guy. And I don't think he's going to succeed. So why not? I mean, if this org can, if, you know, if, if the org orgy Tampa Bay, if they can make a stud out of Surmac here, then, you know, they found gold and he'll skyrocket up lists. Can't recommend a late-round player more than Ryan Cermak. And to answer you about how the draft went, I look at my five players and see college studs, Nato, Jerpy, Melendez, Fabian. These are all guys that performed at the top of the NCAA season, looked outstanding. Uh, you know what you're going to get from them. And then Cermak, again, college performer, but a little bit under known. But like you guys said, in those last rounds of your draft, plant flags, go upside, take – take chances because that's where you're going to find gold. And I think the rays did. And I hope I did. And uh, I was very pleased with the draft and, you know, you guys have all alluded to it. Such a talented room. Mm -hmm. I said at one point, there were 14 really, really smart people and me in this room. And so Mm -hmm. I'm just glad that I came out with a team. I can be proud
0: of team that you're proud of. And like you said, you got your guys. So it's like, if, if your ship goes down you went down with your guys, if you end up getting your gold or whatever, or, you know, reaching to where you want to go, it's, it's with your guys. So I'm always admiring people that, that do that. And uh, it's definitely a way to kind of differentiate yourself with a group of so many smart people here. I think it's really cool when like, you know, we talked about clay getting his guys through you, getting your guys, everybody's got their players. It's interesting to see if you got values where you got them or, or, you know, how things play out. So I, I like the, the process there. Testify.
4: Can I, can I just point out real quick that I think the last time Drew and I were on a podcast together, the kind of saying of the episode was the creamy middle, and this time it's orgies. Why does it always turn a little, a little dirty when you and I are on a
0: show together, Drew? It always turns that way. It's
3: I the don't beards. Know, man. I guess so. We're it's just, the we're, I love the we the release fears. endorphins into the air, into the air. There's
0: a lot of testosterone here. So yeah, it's, it's bleeding out in different types of sexual ways. I here.
3: forgot about the creamy middle till you said that, Eric, that was so funny. I,
0: I, it, it just popped in my mind. Like I'm made of the go. I was I like, I think it,
3: It was on Potapalooza. Now that you say it, I remember exactly what we were doing. Yeah, I believe it was.
4: Yeah, so I think that was the last time. Maybe we had another pod since I can't remember, honestly. But yeah, anytime we, it's always a a nice saying that comes out of a show that you and I are on together.
3: If I'm good for anything, I guess it's a funny word.
4: (laughs) This this time, courtesy of Mr. Mendelssohn over there with the orgies.
0: Appreciate it. Yeah, I, I can't believe I didn't think about that spelled out before I said it, but it makes it that much better. Uh close out the draft here. Drew Sperling took Lewis Morales, and then we went Lewis. Oh goodness, I'm gonna mess up some names here. Guanipa. You Guanapa. got it. Guanipa. Right. I, sure. I think it's I'm pretty Guanepa? sure
4: Gugu, I think I think it's Guanipa.
0: Guanipa. That was close. Lewis Guanipa, Danny Soretti, Joe Lamp, Alfredo Duno, Tanner Schnobel. Sh- Sh- Oh my God, I'm off. My brain is, is dying here. Walter Ford, and then Vinny, you closed the draft out. Michael Kennedy, Mr. Irrelevant from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Give us your thoughts on Michael Kennedy, and then to close out the show, give us your thoughts on your draft.
2: Yeah, so my last pick was my stamp the flag in approval pick. It came down between Michael Kennedy and outfielder for the Nationals, Brenner Cox. But Kennedy, I had knew little to nothing about Brenner or before uh, about Michael Kennedy before our first year player draft uh, pitchers list episode we did two weeks ago. Me and Mike went through all a bunch of names. We looked into guys. I found him. He is a prep pitcher who was drafted at 17, just turned 18. The pirates bought him away from uh, LSU. Good fastball left-handed pitcher. Uh, The slider is very, very good, too. I've come to see a trend. I'm big into sliders this year for first-year player draft. Um, Velo's not going to blow you away, tops out 92, but his fastball does have a lot of late life and movement to it. Um, He's one of those guys that could easily be another one that jumps up in the first-year player draft come next year. There's a lot of projection in the body, and there's a lot to develop with him. I'm a little bullish that the pirates actually do do good developing for a pitcher. And that organization is, you know, a very, a toss up. Look at last year with Solamedo. He's a kind of a similar type of uh, prep arm, but just looking at the tools and the potential with him, I, I can definitely see an outcome where he's a big name at some time this year during the prospects during minor league season. But yeah, I, I want to stick my flag in this guy because I really don't see many people talking about him. The tools are outrageous.
0: You might want to reword that.
2: Did that really sound that bad?
0: <laughs> uh, I'll let you listen to it back. All back right. when, when you listen to I it. I heard words. it
2: and I was like, oh, maybe not.
0: I think I think uh, Eric and Drew got in your head. Yeah. So I think
4: it just went It's there.
2: contagious.
4: I think you're just trying to throw people off of the orgies at this point. That's what you're trying
2: <laughs> Probably, to do. We're just <laughs> yeah. throwing everyone for a loop.
0: this is quite a show uh but as sad as it is to end these guys all have their own lives so i'm gonna let them go back to that but i want to thank both of you guys before we get out of here eric starting with you thanks so much for hopping on the show tonight man uh of course please plug all the great work you do where they can find you on twitter and any fun projects you got coming up
4: thanks you know i can't say no to you mendy i always come on and chat with you yeah you're my guy man no matter what the topic is i always have a good time so thanks for having me on yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Eric Cross Four. Actually, written work at Fantrex HQ, FTN Fantasy, and over and on my, my Patreon as well. Got the Toolshed Podcast with Chris Clegg. And am I missing anything right now?
0: Oh, go miss get the Patreon. Did you? Say no, I got already? the
4: Patreon, and then uh, Fantasy Baseball Black Book that Joe Pizzi puts out. Great publication. Chris Walsh did a lot in that as well. Paul Spore, a lot of great people in that as well. So go buy that over on Amazon.
0: Type, oh, there we go. Look at Look that. At if you, you have Michael not Richards. seen it.
4: Look at that sexy guy. I'm, awesome. still, I'm still waiting for my copy. It's, it's I don't know if it got lost in the mail or whatnot, but I need to go <laughs> figure out where my copy is.
0: It's a, it's a great publication. Eric does a lot of great work, so make sure you follow him and check out all the great stuff he's putting out. Drew, same questions to you, my friend. Give the people where they can follow you and all your great work.
3: Great work is a uh, lofty standard, but we'll go with it. Uh, for whatever reason you want to follow me in between my... Uh, podcasting. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Drew is OK. And if you're interested in seeing any of my written work or the podcasting work that I do for Prospects Live, subscribe to our Patreon for only five dollars a month. You can get all kinds of incredible tools, including Robo Scout. Our top 1,000 list just dropped. All kinds of really neat stuff. Plus, you get to hear me hosting podcasts uh, at least twice a month. I do articles. Uh, recently released one about Kodai Senga, Masaki Yoshida, and Shintaro Fujinami, who uh, you may be seeing signing very soon. I just saw he was connected with the Oakland Athletics, so we could have a third player to discuss uh, in that realm very soon. We've got all kinds of really neat stuff coming out, and I'm writing blurbs for FYPD, of course, because that's what everybody loves to talk about right now. And thank y'all for having me on. It was a real treat to be here with you gentlemen.
0: Do you have any words to, uh, to send us out here, Drew? Uh,
3: I'll quote the great philosopher Albus Dumbledore when asked to uh, give you random words, nitwit, oddball, blubber, and tweak.
0: How do you how do you say anything after this guy? I don't know, <laughs> but I'll try for Eric, for Drew, for Vinny, for Mike. I'm Mendy. We're gonna catch you guys in the next week of the call. But until then, we hope you guys stay safe. We'll see y'all in the next one.